Well, it's come to this, Aaron. Here we are. Here we are. A week after Valentine's Day. For the release. For the listener. For the listener. For the listener. So if you're listening to this on the day that we release it, it's a week after. Hello from the past. And if you're listening... You know, beyond the day that we release this, hello into the future. Hello into the future. Hello, future listener, future Aaron, future Elizabeth. Have you gotten less awkward at openings? God, I hope so. Anyway, I was going to say that we... Hey, Aaron, still <laughs> keeping it tight? I bet you are. <laughs> I was going to say that we've finally gotten to the point where perhaps we have been together a little too long. Yeah, we're uh, this October will be 15 years. Next year, we will have been together longer in our entire lives and we have ever been apart. It's a little mind-bending to think of. But mostly, it, what, what's happened mostly is that we just can't give each other gifts anymore because even with no hints or provocation, we somehow managed to each get each other a Webtoon t-shirt. And we had not previously discussed this. Not only that, we also got each other a sticker and a pin. Again, did not discuss this. We, I don't know, are, are we getting too lazy or too clever? I can't decide. Well, we threw each other surprise birthday parties the same damn year, so... We found out after both of those parties that it wasn't... Within a week of each other, we had gone to our group of friends individually and said, I'd like to plan a surprise party for the other person. And they thought we had to have coordinated. Because within a week of each other, we were saying that to everybody. Okay, put this on your calendar. It's happening. Yeah, guys. It, it, like, don't don't tell Elizabeth. Okay, Aaron. <laughs> Wink. Uh, this is all to say that I got Aaron a surprise Pikachu shirt from my giant nerd boyfriend. You and... can't tell, but I'm making the face right now. <laughs> it's very good. And uh, unbeknownst to me, Aaron got me a Shirt from Laura Olympus with Hades and all of his dogs, which is great. It's all so very, very good. We know each other too well. And he is Aaron. And she is Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. And we couldn't wait one second longer because our guest in the studio today is freaking out about what we have done for each other. She, like, I don't know if you've heard her gasp, but it was, it was so cute. It was just like, <laughs> oh my God. Because she is also a fan of Laura Olympus, aren't you, Ollie? I'm probably one of their top 10 biggest fans. <laughs> if I had to put myself on a number there. Have you fast passed for it yet? All of them, yes. Every oh. single week. I should feel bad for paying. I don't feel bad for paying for it because it supports the author. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know if I ever run out of money, I'm going to just be in utter despair for like three or four weeks. Wait, paying for it. Isn't that illegal in Tennessee? <laughs> See, we're also like talking to future Ollie right now. Ollie knows things that we do not. We just got to perhaps the cutest episode of oh the whole thing, and Ollie's like, "That was three weeks ago, Ollie. That's 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 nothing." Yeah, don't mess with me, Aaron, because I'll tell you who the new surprise goddess I, or god that just showed up. I, I another don't, one already. I really don't want to. We just Maybe got not. one. I don't know what you're we talking about. Ha. Well, let's do the plug party while uh, Ollie and Aaron quibble about what's actually going on in that series. You can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us your ideas for episodes at marriedtotheideareviews at gmail.com. 
We are on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And if you feel like supporting us in a monetary sense. <laughs> in a monetary fashion. If you want to fast pass us, you can head to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Marriage the Idea. We have several tiers available, both with physical and digital rewards. You might even get to be a guest in the show, too. How exciting is that? Uh, but let's get right into it. We had to bring on a fangirl like Arlie because we are going into season two of Hilda. And Hilda is one of our favorite animated shows. It's fantastic. And we talked about it at length when the first season came out uh, to such a degree that it is one of our most popularly listened episodes of the past 100 episodes. So we must have done something right there. We had to go bigger and better for season two. So when I get a third person in the room so we can talk it over we are going to be discussing season two we're going to try to keep it relatively spoiler free but we are at the halfway point going to get into end of season spoiler speculation theories etc so we recommend you go watch season one and season two before you come to this all right all right so okay okay oh, now okay. You know me and Aaron's thoughts on Hilda. We have a whole hour episode about it. Uh, but Ollie, what are your thoughts on Hilda? I wish it's one of those shows that I that had been available when I was a kid, because it brought a even watching it now as a not even thirty year old. Uh, <laughs> it brought. I mean, it just brought a lot of magic to what I see every day. Just from because whenever I first started watching, like started watching the first episode when it was going into like little elves and things, I thought this was just imaginary things that a little girl was seeing. I was like, cool, you're going to see how she sees the world, but it's not actually how the world is. But then she's like, oh, well, my mom knows about trolls and giants and all manner of things. And I just like the way that it's just so casually brought in, but still highlighted at the same time. It's got this wonderful uh, fantasy quality that I enjoy in my fantasy literature where these things just happen mm -hmm. and everyone knows it and it's like integrated into society and there are some people who may not some people who are more into it but it's just part of our world right and i think you're right ollie there's a lot of shows i can think of for kids where it's the kids go off to a magical land and they come back and their parents just say oh were you having another adventure quote unquote again well come on inside for biscuits and it's like but you don't understand mom they were real etc etc oh. went into the wardrobe and then came back out again exactly <laughs> oh, you don't think I'd believe you? <laughs> Comfortine crumpets, darling, please. Uh, no, I agree completely. There's a lot of shows we really enjoy that are like that, like Gravity Falls. And it does a pretty good job of maintaining the suspense of you thinking, oh, no one's going to believe the kids. This weird stuff happens and no one believes them until they do and you realize, oh, wait, everyone knows about this sort of thing and we're going to have to deal with this in a major way. Yeah, it's it's either the children in Gravity Falls believe in it or the main children, uh, a.k.a. Seuss. Isn't that the one where the alternate, that's the alternate dimension of Rick and Morty? <laughs> I mean, it's, technically, if you want to go there, yeah, we did watch the theory on that. It's... It I is mean, there. If you want to get it is foolproof. It is. I mean, as as all Rick and Morty th theories are. <laughs> if you really want to get that technical, if you want to get it. there, uh, Alex Hirschfeld is pretty involved with Rick and Morty too, in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Alex Hirsch. Sorry. Um, and uh, Justin 
uh, crap, I forget his last name, are really good friends. Um, I think he... The two creators of their own two shows. And yeah, so Rick and Morty, and then... Uh, they reference each other yeah. in that way. Uh, yeah, I think maybe we should have more children's programming that references adult programming within it. <laughs> I I do like that they're, they are connected. There have been a lot of shows that have been like that, where they connect one or two times, and it's just, it's kind of a fun little wink and nod. But when you do it with uh gravity falls and rick and morty specifically it just opens up like a whole weird amount of possibilities like ones that you may not really want truth be told and yeah i'm still waiting for the crossover hmm now what channel would they air that crossover on youtube (laughs) yes thank you yeah um uh ollie tell me uh like what's your who's your favorite character in hilda Twig, 100% twig, absolutely twig. Done and done. <laughs> twig yeah, master. I could have I could have called that, huh? And that was <laughs> see that going a mile away. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, then I will say that uh, Alpha might be uh, my new fave. I really just dig his formatting and his punctuality and his just, especially after some of the episodes in season two, I really appreciate him. Uh or uh, Hilda's mom, Joanna. I also really, really do like her. Jeez, steal the two that I was going to say. My apologies. No, I'm sorry. Okay. No, so no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just joshing you because I th- I probably would have said um, uh, Alpha as well. Um, and I really, I think both her uh, Joanna and Alpha really came into their own characters. There weren't just these kind of side characters that happened to be there. Um, I really feel like, especially Alpha, he, he got a lot more agency in this. And I liked his character and how he still was his character, but did more. Um, I would actually have to say, uh, Frida might be my favorite because I like that she became, you know, she's, she's become a student of a different, um, expertise, if you will. Um, I won't say much more until we get into the, uh, spoiler area. Good Um, job censoring yourself. (laughs) I was close. Um, And I still really like the librarian. I like her. Oh, I know. Uh, I was reading through some of the reviews and they were saying that whenever they spent time in the library for extended periods of time in both season one and season two, it's like, what a good thing for my bookish little heart to be like, (laughs) oh, libraries are sources of wonder and enchantment and look how amazing they are that's that's every library is a sparkle sparkle to me like we go on trips you know in the pre times and we would go visit public libraries at the towns that we go to just in the before times in the before times i was such a book nerd uh and the coolest thing that I got to share with Ollie today, actually, is that the whole series is based on a series of graphic novels, of illustrated books. But when I was looking through, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last episode, so forgive me if I did, but there are only a couple of episodes specifically based off of books. So a lot of this stuff was things that people wouldn't know. Um, things like uh, The Midnight Giant, that's specifically from a book uh the bird parade also specific of a book the black hound uh but otherwise nothing until the final episode of this season season two which i think is for 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 self-evident reasons that we will get into later but i thought it was pretty cool that they were just from these four or five books and the world of the author they were able to just extrapolate out forever all of these different stories i thought there was a lot more based on the existing material but this is pretty much being invented whole cloth out of what the author already gave and considering that every time they go to a book they pretty much just 
take it word for word, line for line, and just repeat it. Almost I, frame for frame, too. I know. They lay it out pretty identically to what's happening. It's even more impressive then, considering that it didn't seem like those episodes felt out of place in any way. Yeah. Um, and the ones that you've suggested, and specifically the last episode of the second season, feel a little bit more of the mystical, the supernatural. So it's interesting that those are the ones that are still from the book. So, um, and the ones that aren't are a little bit more, I don't want to, please understand, I don't say this in the, in a derogatory sense, but a little bit more pedestrian. Really? Yeah. And again, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like the black hound. That was very mysterious. Or the bird parade, you know, that was, like there's a lot of mystique behind that. And the Midnight Giant might be like my favorite episode, and I don't even know why, but it's the second uh, episode from season one, and just to see like this giant, beyond comprehensible size thing just suddenly turn towards you in the camera, it's like oh, oh dang! I remember. I that. got give my little heart going a little bit on that one. <laughs> and yeah, the Black Hound too. Obviously, I've got a, I've just got a thing for giant animals. I think we, we've explored that before. I think. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I mean, not to say that the episodes that aren't based on books don't have mystical elements or supernatural elements, but they feel like they're a little bit more based in reality, whereas I feel like the books allowed itself to, allowed themselves to go into a different realm of thinking, even. Fair enough. Um, let's compare season two to season one. Like, uh, uh, just looking at it... Um, what uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how season two stacks up in comparison? Season two is very fresh in our minds right now. We just finished watching the last episode. We've spent the last couple of weeks binging it. Uh, what do you think, Aaron? What's your what's your idea on the whole two to one? Do you think it keeps the pace going? Does it do better? Does it do worse? I feel like season two was a great addition to season one because uh, it definitely took a lot of the stories that they did in season one and it was like, okay, well, let's just continue where that would go naturally. Um, and then, you know, still add in the elements. It almost felt like kind of like D&D side quests or something like that. Okay, you've defeated, you know, this uh, Lich King. So now before you go and face dragons, here's some other side quests and stuff like that. It's But they're built off of, okay, you had recently talked to this NPC farmer. Well, his crops are mysteriously disappearing overnight figure out why you know i feel like your friendship with anissa has has enabled you to do fast travel you exactly. can now go anywhere yeah. <laughs> so i um i felt like that was really good uh and a lot of and as we kind of mentioned just a second ago a lot of the side characters like uh joanna uh alfer and frida um really um got to step up and do more it wasn't just hilda the adventurer going and doing bringing her friends along and then, you know, just being the only one that benefits from them. Essentially it was Alfred was the hero of that. The, ep the second to last episode. Yeah. They all got to be their own people. I'm glad it wasn't just Hilda parading people around and just always being awesome. And, and with that being said, my issue with season two is probably Hilda herself. And the reason is, is not because she becomes a terrible character, but she, the first season was about her and her, not even empathy, but her charm to be able to get into these situations and not talk her way out of it or anything like that. But something along the lines of, okay, well, this is kind of a dangerous situation, but I'm headstrong and I can get us through it. And then 
oh, let's go have tea and crumpets afterwards. You know, she's very inviting and welcoming, even when she's in moral danger. Um, and that's part of the appeal of the show. But this season, she's a lot more rushing into situations without taking a second look. And when it gets her into trouble, which I felt like in the first season, it got her into trouble, but she learned from it. This season, she didn't learn from it as much. You mean she's growing into a normal teenage girl? That's probably true. And, and it's... Or rather, tween age. Tween, yeah. I like seeing her suffer consequences for this because the entire first season, I was thinking, like, her mom would be just, like, just knows nothing. Her, her mom knows nothing, and she purposely, like, doesn't let her in. And we know that her mom does know about all these things. Her experience would be invaluable. And then to be like, no... I got this. I'm going to lie about everywhere I go. You don't need to know, Mom. It's my own special thing. You don't understand, Mom. Yeah, it's very much like that. And it's not even so much that she's learning from the consequences or that she's suffering the consequences from her actions. Is that she is like almost refusing to learn from them. And, and that's quite possibly being a teenage girl or a teenager in general. So Making um, the same mistakes and failing to learn from them. That does sound familiar to me. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like it because it shows comparison because, yes, it's in this magical world, but she is still dealing with issues that are very non-magical, like basically how the two affect each other and interact while still being separate. But, you know, coinciding. Is the yeah. Word. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. The fact that they still have to get along. They still have to, like, do mother-daughter stuff. It still has to be, you have to come home for dinner. You have to make sure you brush your teeth. Like, you, you can be this magic girl on all these amazing quests, but at the end of the day, you still are human so come back home and please go to bed <laughs> i made a pie and i would like to play a board game all she wants to do is play a board game with her daughter no mom i have to go do something important my friends are out there god you can see it in the way she even treats frida about how you know frida's learning how to uh okay we'll we'll save it but she's the things that she is doing require methodical learning and she knows why she's learning the things she's learning but Hilda says, ah, you know, I, I'm not here to learn a lesson. I'm just here to get things done. Exactly. You want to do another D&D reference? Hilda's the barbarian. She I mean, absolutely she is. is. I would say, uh, like, I, the headstrongness of a barbarian and then a little bit more of, like, the fighter or the uh, paladin, maybe? It's not that punching solves everything. It's that every situation I can fix as long as I get into it. Yeah. That I can do something about it. I feel like that's got to be, like, a little bit barbarian, a little bit rogue. I, yeah, it's like I'm gonna the, smash my way into this, but I can still figure my way out of it. A barbarian rogue, yeah, it's a really weird combination. That's a weird build. Yeah. I'm sure someone's done that effectively before, but yes, if someone had to play it, play it like Hilda, and I think that would work out pretty well. <laughs> so, uh, well then, Ollie, what did you think of the second season? I actually liked it a lot better than the first season, which isn't saying a lot because I really, really, really liked the first season. So it had to do really good to exceed your expectations. Right. It's like how the it's like how the sequel of movies is never better than the first, but it's like Shrek level of sequel. I've always thought that too. Like Shrek one is good, but like Shrek two is the one I think of all the time. Shrek two like took what have what was really good about Shrek one, a lot of the wit, uh, and you know, the character interactions, and then we're like, let's ramp this up to ten. And then they did Shrek the third, and they were like, you know, let's take all the annoying shit from the f first two movies and ramp that up to 100. <laughs> so it's basically like 
like the first season is all like exposition here here's this character here's this character this exists this exists this exists and then season two said all right so you know all of you know all of these people and you know what their general parts are let's get to know who they are instead of just you know where they're at yeah i think you're like ollie's right looking through the characters that we encounter half the episodes are new things like the dragon and the eternal warriors but the other half of the episodes are like the librarian witches and the um uh, meteorologist victoria van gale like we see some new stuff but we also see stuff we've seen before the the weather person was in the first season too yeah that's so yeah so some okay. of them were from people we've seen before and then some of them are for brand new characters right. gotcha. it stops being about kind of monster of the week and starts being more about plot and development yeah i would absolutely agree with that mm-hmm. uh we also thought that there was a you know, I think we should just, like, go through them because each one has, like, something, I think, to offer to it. Uh, our first episode of season two is the Troll Circle, where we first meet Eric Alberg, who is Ugh. just trash. Uh, singing with me, if you know, the worst. Oh, God, just just the worst kind. And you don't, he, he doesn't. At the very beginning, you're like, cool. Like, someone who Hilda could, like admire and aspire like this is cool someone who thinks the way that she thinks maybe even like a uh like a mentor kind of thing or like you know he joins her on a couple of ventures and helps her out but wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> uh his his constable is just infinitely more qualified in every single way the further we get into this season there's been so many characters like that like you know, duos of characters that are like that and they never cease to not be good I like this is one of my favorite ones of it, mm-hmm. and it begins the setup of the the bells and the trolls, which by the end of this season still isn't resolved. Nope. Like I was thinking that was what we were getting towards, and it's like no, it's gonna take a while longer, a whole other season. Knock on wood, hopefully, to get through that. I see you trying to reach for wood, Aaron. I appreciate, it, but there's a million chords in here. Please don't be the hero. <laughs> uh, reach for wood. Name of your sex tape. <laughs> Oh, did you guys hear that this next season, it won't come out in this television season, but the next season that will start in 2021 fall, uh, it's going to be the last season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Aw. I feel like I haven't like seen any episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine recently. Are they just like... They didn't do... They haven't done a season this year. That's right. So they, yeah. they, they got it, and then so we're just going to sit on this for now <laughs> until next year. Well, I think there's there's multiple reasons, none of which we're going to get into and in this very much of entertainment podcast. No, uh, uh, we're going to talk about a children's program, and that'd be that. Yeah. Uh, our second episode is The Dragon, where uh, Woodman returns. God, like, I really do... Woodman is the asshole rogue, and I'm okay with this. <laughs> Yeah, he'd even be like a bar or a bard. He could, uh, I just, I don't know what he would. No, he plays a flute. Yep. So he could be a bard. Uh, but yeah, he is absolutely the one that gets in, himself into these situations. Like, this is Hilda's bad influence if he, like, were around more. Agreed. Like, you think he's going to be, like, helpful? Absolutely not. Woodman is here for Woodman and no one else. And probably the coolest, like, voice acting, too. Just, I, I could help you, but I'm not. Just that voice delivery with with his mouth never moving and just it's so very eerie so liz and i were gifted right after the first season we watched it um a really cool class where we got to go uh take pottery 
and um, scratch away the black glazing on top to create like drawn images in clay. It's called scraffito. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Aaron made his into like a whole Hilda cup. So there's a giant foot and a troll rock and the wooden man walking through the trees. It's it's very cool. I can't believe you got that much onto one cup, to be quite honest. It, truth be told, it looks terrible. No, it it, the best part is probably the troll rock, but that's the one with the least amount of detail. Pixar didn't happen. It's downstairs. We can show you later. Yeah, we'll show you later. But maybe we'll we'll post show a pic. Show your fans. We'll sh- yeah, we'll yeah, show we'll a pic. On, yeah, we'll post a pic uh, uh, on our Patreon page. Oh, Aaron, keeping cool things behind a paywall. That's clever. What did right, I think of that? Right, right. <laughs> uh, and I do like the dragon. I and I really do love the ending to this one. How they're able to reunite with their families. That was that was really. I love the ghost designs in this show. Uh, it's a little morbid, but it still really works very well, even in a kid sense. We've talked about that before, like um, even just like the metaphysical ideas that Hilda brings to the light. Like I think season two is really where it gets heavy. I'd say, like, dealing with death a lot, a lot, a lot, in a way oh. that the first season absolutely does not. Yeah, I was surprised that we, it, it didn't, I won't say anything, I won't spoil anything, We're but there, there was yet. a specific episode where, and I won't even say it whenever we do the synopsis. No, uh, no, yeah, we'll get that after the halftime, absolutely. Aaron has thoughts. I have Thoughts and feelings. He has a whole think piece lined up for us. Thoughts with a capital T. With a capital T. Uh, episode three, The Witch, wherein they find 19 magic portals deeper and deeper into this library. I love that every single time it's like, another hidden study, another hidden study. Boom, 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 all the way into the depths. House goals. I know. Like, that's what I would like. <laughs> I would a hidden appreciate. room inside my hidden room with a secret elevator. That leads to another <laughs> hidden room. And I do love these three witches in charge who are like, just throw her into nothingness. Absolutely. What do you you want about? (laughs) Why do you have such a thing about throwing people into this bottomless pit? And this poor chained up bard on the corner room who just strums his guitar to open up nothing space. Just, do I do want me to play or not? Like, like, guys, it's open. Do you want me to do something? Can I, can I? Can I can I do can I can I do it? Can I? Can I? Is it okay? <laughs> that that was the um I really liked that episode actually. I really enjoyed it a lot to have um this another like really existential process of them being pretty much stuck in a black hole with a nothing like with a, a nothingness feasting on everything inside like terrifying just more terrifying. <laughs> Let's teach children about existential dread. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the kids. For, uh, for the greats are good. The greats are good. Uh, episode four, The Eternal Warriors, which was deliciously macabre. I This was a fun episode. As weird as it, get, it, it gets, it is a still a fun episode. It reminded me of um, the Gravity Falls episodes with the man tours, where they teach yeah. Dipper how to be a man, and that means killing man. things and, and not having fear. <laughs> And not listening to uh, Baba with uh, Disco Queen, no Disco Girl. Yeah, they do it. It's a. Uh, it's <laughs> Ollie's so confused. It's like Abba, but it's called Baba. <laughs> it yes. Uh, we'll play. We'll play Disco Girl sometime. <laughs> I'm and, intrigued, and... intrigued, but also 
a little bit off put. Would with many bear. We we recommend Ollie that you watch Gravity Falls while we're waiting for more Hilda. We we recommend it. Uh, and and you know what? Did did David seem too scared this season? I'm really trying to think back if he was that scaredy cat in season one. See that I'm I'm having trouble remembering. I think he didn't have enough screen time to show as scared as he actually was. Fair. If you're on screen more, at certain points, it just kind of felt like a trope. Like, it got a little <laughs> in the Scooby-Doo territory that Shaggy's always scared and doesn't want to do like all it. all the other like characters were growing around him, but he was just kind of being stuck. He was just stagnant and kind of, like, being left behind a little bit. Yeah. And I think this one, like, could sh- it showed you what he could be on a different scale, but I, does it need to be that way? Or does he even want to be? Like, yes, you can grow into something else, but you don't have to. Exactly. Fair enough. Like, showing that, you know, a healthy dose of fear, I and mean, that's what the whole episode's about, a healthy dose of fear isn't something that one has to overcome. It doesn't make it any less brave. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather our choices in it. Which is still a butchering of that saying by You've never FDR. learned that quote properly. One day I just you will. used it the other day, too, which is really bad. That's a shame. Uh, episode 5, The Windmill, where we run into Victoria Van Gale. Uh, and we get uh, another uh, body horror thing. This, um, this, oh, what would you call it? This amalgamation, this, this Nissa made of disparate parts and rotten rutabagas and just very, very unnerving. Very unnerving. And a character who, again, we don't get a ending to what happens to her when she gets sucked into the space between the space between spaces. Last we see her, she's on some desert island somewhere, just trying to make peace with what she's done. Like, it's 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 fitting, but I almost wish we hadn't seen what happened to her so we could see it later, just because she'd made the choice to not go back and instead just keep pushing forward that, you know, that very uh, Icarus flew to close to the sun once more, once more, and would do that instead of retreat. Well, they say curiosity killed the cat, but what... The second part of the phrase that not many people listen to or care about is satisfaction brought it back. Oh. I do love sayings that everyone remembers the first part of. Yeah, like blood is thicker than water, uh, but it's actually incomplete. It's blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Yep. So when people say blood is thicker than water, they usually say, oh, well, the family, like your family should be more important than anybody else you meet. But what it actually means is blood of the covenant is your choosing. chosen family, like blood yep. brothers yep. and sisters. So it's choosing family that like that you want instead of the family you were born into yeah there's actually a term for um uh quotes or like terms like that that people only know half of or only choose to remember you know like a portion of instead of the full thing which then does change the meaning of it so um because i saw a list of them but the one i always remember is the blood is thicker than water because like it, it if you think about the entire thing it's actually the opposite meaning so uh, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps was meant to be a defeatist term because you literally cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's a futile gesture. You mean you can't hook your hook on your uh, your, pe- your belt loop and pull yourself into the sky? <laughs> like the Lorax yep. from the seat of his pants? No, surprisingly you can't. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Seuss lied to me? <laughs> I Son of a bitch! <laughs> Episode 6. The old bells of Trollberg. I'm gonna get you, Dr. Seuss. 
There are so many bells. Wait, I'm shouting up. I need to shout down. I'm going to get you, Dr. Seuss. Uh, we finally meet uh, the uh, first I'm part. I'm coming for you, Theodore. Aaron, tell us about your fan theory that the man whose job is uh, taken over by... Um, you want to save that one for later? I want to save that one. Oh, dang it. I, really, I was really just trying to pull you out of your bit for just a minute okay. there. Uh, but yeah, uh, just really trying to ring any bell in any earshot and waking up every troll in the process and getting them angry. And it's almost like we shouldn't antagonize things without knowing what they do or who they are. Maybe. I don't know. Tell it to my neighbors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like... I, this episode cements that Alberg is just an idiot and doesn't listen to anyone. But it's just, I did like this the 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 bell ringer character to like he he felt like he was just like I'm. This is my job. This isn't my life. This is my job. I clock in. I clock out. I don't let it affect me. Yep. <laughs> uh, the uh, next one is the Beast of Cauldron Island, which I do really enjoy because we get to see our dragon again, our beautiful uh, floral fauna dragon. The I. <sighs> Drake. Drake, thank yeah. you. Uh, who just tends to their plants and trees. Uh, and then having the... Um, the elves. The clan. The the clan. The the lost clan. The lost it. clan show up. Both of them with with, <laughs> with this poor boy trying to set up a, a, a simple plan to make sure that no one gets hurt. And then both these magical creatures are saying, well, it turns out we never run from a fight. And then just literally fighting on the middle of this island well, a whole patrol comes to take them away. It's it's very good. It's the good thing. I did like the payoff too. I... Yes, I really enjoy the creature that they like brought into this. Like this is a cool. Like a lot of the creatures from Hilda don't have one to one analogs in fantasy, as far as I can tell. There are things like like the black hound is an image that shows up a lot in English folklore, but they but she the grim. Yes, exactly. Yeah, thank uh, you, but, Harry Potter. But Luke Pearson uses it and, you know, creates a new sort of a thing with it. But I can still, like, put an A to a B. Um, things like uh, Anissa, there are stories of little elves that live in your house and take care of things. Brownies. Yes, thank you. Um, but then, and then, you know, drakes and stuff. Uh, krakens. But then there are some things that show up uh, in Hilda that I can't get, like, a one-to-one on. And it's always nice when that happens because I feel like if I knew more... I might know what the one to one is, and it like encourages me to like read more. And in t- it it whets your appetite just enough. Yeah, like very cool. Where'd you pull these floating um, wolves from? Like, what's the idea behind that? And is there any basis for it, or did you literally just look at the clouds and say, "I wonder if those were bears that could fly"? Pear cats that can fly that are just little just balls adorable of adorable little fluff balls. Uh, so. Uh- uh, what was the what what brought this up specifically? Which which is the one that wasn't a one to one because the Drake is very much a a dragon. No, um, what I was saying was that I do like it when there is a one to one. It's not how I would picture a kraken, but it's very much a kraken. I see what you're saying. Right but now. yeah, so I think oh, I, the one that was actually an island. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that kind of gave me like world built on a turtle's back sort of vibe. Yeah, very <laughs> very lion turtle from Avatar. Basically, turtle yeah. turtle is like. What what are what are you doing? What are you, stop, stop? Be gone now. It's like Mother Gaia says you're polluting my Earth, so I'm gonna come up there and you know snap turtle. I thought she All sent five asses. rings to five teens with attitude, <laughs> and by their powers combined, 
I am Captain Planet. No, Aaron, you're Captain Reference. We're the Planeteers. We're here to say this is the wrong way to do this song. And then we get the 50-year night where uh, we get the thing that made me cry, which is uh, Hilda uh, investigating and getting into time travel after lying to her mom again. Her mom's like, just don't go anywhere. You're just grounded. You're so busted. I mean, she didn't. I mean, she didn't. If we're going to get technical about it, which is how she gets into trouble in the first place. I never actually left the building, Alpha. It's okay. Uh, totally. Uh, but here we get into a lot of like spoiler town stuff, Aaron. Do you think we should at this point go into the sponsor dome and then return to talk about theories and these last couple episodes and the punches in the gut? Yeah, um, we'll just say this that the um, tweak, tweak. Uh, that the next few episodes, the next five even, are all really, really good in their own rights. Um, and they're we still really liked the second season, so. Um, I think just kind of as a wrap up in case you do are like, I want to watch this. So, you know, you pause it at, after, after the sponsor dome, uh, and then come back to it after you've seen season two, uh, the next few episodes are a lot of fun in their different ways with, you know, a couple of them being remarkably exceptional. I think Ollie's favorite is in these last six. My favorite is in these last six. I think my favorite is in these last six. So, so. let's, uh, head into the sponsor dome. Where two sponsors enter and one sponsor leaves. Aaron, one sponsor enters. Tell us about our sponsor today. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Why Audible, you ask? Well, I'll answer. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Gotta love them podcasts. <laughs> Gotta love them podcasts. <laughs> Gotta love them podcasts. And those cod pasts. And those cod pasts. And those cod pieces. Just, mm-mm. Liz, what is our book recommendation today? Mm. Our book recommendation today is The Deep. Uh... I really, She's been taken by the deep. I God, I wish. Uh, this is a really cool book. I picked it up at my local bookstore. Shout out to Union Avenue Books. And I literally got sucked in from the cover. I'm a sucker for covers. And then when I read the back, it seemed really cool. It's an Afropunk future aesthetic take on the idea of mermaids. So it's based on a story by a band based on this idea that mermaids came from, and I'm it's going to get dark, but I promise it's very good, uh, pregnant slaves that died and were thrown off of the slaving ships as they crossed over the ocean, that mermaids were born from those babies. And it takes that idea and it spins it into this idea of one person in this tribe keeping all of the memories so that everyone else can have a happy life and they are burdened with the knowledge. And then one year saying, I can't do this anymore, giving them all the knowledge back and then bouncing. And it's, it's so very good and lyrical and deep and dark. Uh, it's got tons of thoughts on uh, history, on people, on culture, on sexuality, on myth. It's, it's so very good. And, the back half of the book is just like 
notes you can take to your book club about it and talks from the band who wrote the song that this book is based off of, who also helped write the book and craft what's the name, it. What's the name of the band? Uh, clippings. Lowercase c, period at the end. Clippings, okay. Uh, and is there anyone in particular that we might know from Clippings? I think there is, Aaron. Why don't you tell us about them? I was setting you up for it, but okay. You have the information in front of you. Please do it for okay. me. <laughs> so uh, Clippings is a experimental hip-hop group that is led by Davi Diggs. Now, some of you are going, oh my God, I know that guy. He's so awesome. Uh, and you're right, first and foremost. Uh, he did help uh, him and the band Clippings did help write The Deep. It's also narrated by Davi Diggs. Now, some of you are also like, who the hell is this guy and why should I care? Well, Davi Diggs... <laughs> Thank you, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Speaking for the listener. <laughs> Davi Diggs is uh, one of the three uh, main people, or not three, three people from Hamilton that played a dual role. Uh, and the first half was one character, and then the second half was uh, another character. He actually won a Grammy and a Tony for doing this particular character. So if you go and watch Hamilton, you will see him as uh, Laf uh, Lafayette or as Thomas Jefferson, which most people know him as, because he fucking rocked that song. I'm so glad he's a vocalist, and now I can't like get that out of my head thinking about this 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 whole book. <laughs> he, he's um he's his uh, acting um, roles have exploded since then. He's been in like Ferdinand with um, a very particular wrestler. Liz, can you remind me who was the lead? I believe his name, Aaron, is John Cena. And his name is John. <laughs> Uh, TM, 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 we do not own the rights to that. Boy, you uh, worked that in so naturally, Aaron. I'm I know. I'm so happy with I, you. I, that was, yeah. Uh, he's also was one of the main characters in Blind Spotting. So if uh, if you know either of those, then you will know. Uh, he uh, is also in Central Park, which we, Liz and I really want to watch. So. so Liz, who is our... Oh, uh, first, Aaron, where can they get the book? Oh, that is going to be Audible. Uh, remember, that is audibletrial.com slash marrying to the idea that it's T.O., not the number two. And uh, that is The Deep by Solomon Rivers. Definitely a read this February. Rivers Solomon. Rivers Solomon. My apologies. <laughs> uh, for our uh, challenger today in the Sponsor Dome, we're going to turn to our cool correspondent, Ollie. Uh, Ali, what's going on in Knoxville? Uh, you've been uh, you you mentioned something about a new karaoke bar that I'm really interested in. Yeah, it's called Knoxbox Karaoke. Um, it's supposed to be similar to um, like traditional Japanese karaoke, where there's a bunch of different rooms that people can rent out um, for a group of people from anywhere from like maybe three to ten people. I love that experience like so much more, even pre-COVID times, I think that idea of karaoke is so much more, like, heartwarming and, like, affirming to me than going into the bar where a bunch of people who do not know you do not want to listen to you. Much less <laughs> embarrassing as well. Yeah, you can, and then if it is embarrassing, it's with friends, and are you really embarrassing in front of friends? Yes, yeah, yes, who you else, are. Who else can you look a fool around if not the people who help you look like a fool? <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading an article about it. Uh, yeah, in Japan, small karaoke bars are called boxes, so that's, like, literally where the name comes from. Uh, and it looks like this guy used to be like a huge karaoke fan. That he, when he would go into his favorite karaoke bar, they would cue Mr. Brightside as he walked in the door. Like they just knew what his song was and were ready to go. Um, 
my my karaoke song uh my go-to right now is uh somebody to love by queen that's that's my go-to that's that is my song aaron what's yours i don't really have one um a friend and i uh used to do um a specific lincoln park song the title of which is escaping me at the moment um and i did a couple different lincoln park songs uh, we did do Larger Than Life by Backstreet Boys once, oh. was, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but then we also tried to do Jack Sparrow by The Lonely Island and f- failed hard. <laughs> so hard. Because the, the guy who was running it, I don't think was our friend DJ Patrick. It might have been, because that might have been one of the first times I met him. Uh, but uh, we basically went up there and we're like... Uh, yeah, we know all the words. We know all the words. The first set of lyrics, people were, were blanking. Gone. And then uh, my first, because I was going to do the Michael uh, Bolton part, and I I blanked so hard. But I will, with that failure, there's also a really big success. Uh, for our friend Richard, um, the same guy who I did the Lincoln Park stuff with, um, he really liked uh, epic rap battles of history at the time. So um, my friend Steven, uh, who has been on the podcast, uh, has uh, came up with the idea of he and I doing uh, Master Chief versus King Leonidas. And I played King Leonidas. And Steven told me afterwards, which I, we have to ask him if this was true or not, he told me afterwards is like that he was intimidated by me because I was, I was King Leonidas. So I'm like, Spartans, let's start this. Let's show this petty officer. Who's the hardest. I can't believe I still remember that much. Nice job. I, I wouldn't doubt you for a second. I hear you doing your acting lessons downstairs. I know you can rehearsal rehearsal. Sorry. There's nothing that needs to be trained by on this. Certainly. Ollie, what's your favorite karaoke song if you had to pick one? Uh, Liz, I'd have to go with Baby Got Back on that one. Ooh! Up top, girl! Up top! Solid choice, Ollie. Solid choice. Uh, So, Knox Box Karaoke is on Gay Street, and I think there could be nothing better in these COVID times than to get together with your COVID bubble and sing karaoke (laughs) at each other. Just oh, so it's actually it's a slight twist on um, traditional like box karaoke that there's not boxes that you go into, but there are wireless microphones that are located um, at different locations. So you don't have to go up on a stage and share a microphone with a bunch of different people. It's one you share just with the people you're with. But if you want awkward people to stare at you, you can still do it. Or if you want to hide in the bathroom, you can do that as well. So you can literally like just go into the bathroom because you're nervous, but you still want to sing and just have that beautiful shower voice experience that we all hope to have. So it's, it's exactly a mix between, all a recess. So it's a mix between regular karaoke and box karaoke Correct. from Japan. Oh, uh, so I was thinking I was I was actually truth be told hoping that I was more the traditional box karaoke. But yeah, I like the idea. Too. I like the idea of this though. Like I like yeah. that it's wherever you are, you can sing. I will say one of the best experiences I've ever had at a bar ever is that we went to karaoke one night and it was like the group of people I was with and like only one or two other small groups uh, of people. And one guy did uh, from our group, um, Piano Man. And for some reason, it was a bunch of dudes just went up and stood in front of the stage, swaying back and forth to Piano Man. You can't not at Piano it, Man. It was, I mean, it's 
it was the whitest thing ever, but <laughs> you know, I never declare myself as anything else. Every wedding I've ever been to ends with piano man. Ours didn't, thank God. We did have it. It was like the third yeah, to last song was we piano definitely man. Had it. We we were basic. We're sorry. Uh <laughs> But that's really cool. Also, shout out to DJ Patrick if he's listening. He's uh, awesome. Thank you, DJ Patrick, for playing uh, COVID sets from your apartment balcony. Oh, those were so fun to so watch. So good. Uh, all right. We're going to get into some theorizing, some spoilerizing, and some favorite episodes from season two. Uh, this is season two. The 50-year night is probably my favorite. I, um, hmm, huh? I wonder why. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so basic. I'm so married. Uh. I love this idea, not only because her, because of her meddling that these two got to actually have, you know, a lifetime together, but it's more so that at the end, her meddling is what causes them to disappear entirely, and she has to suffer the consequences of her actions. She herself dies. Like, there's there's all sorts of death and dismemberment and, and trauma, and I think, like, the really beautiful part about it is just the two of them saying that we experienced this and that means it was real. <laughs> uh, I, liked, I did cry. I wept. <laughs> I liked at the end. Uh, she goes, Oh no, a pretty good day. And Alpha goes, we watched ourselves die twice. <laughs> and then it just cuts to black and ends. It's very good. Uh, it's, it was a great episode. I liked the concept that it, it was like a mix between a time travel and like the port key from Harry Potter where it, uh, tr- uh, is a transportation device. So I thought it was kind of neat to, uh, you know, incorporate, uh, not incorporate, but to show that there is something that can take you to a specific time. Because like, you know, it's like a movie or a book or a song or a smell or a taste. Or a magazine. Or a magazine that can transport you to a different time. So it's a very uh, universal concept because our senses are very much linked to our memories. So that's very, ne- it was a very neat concept. So, um, Ollie, what was your favorite episode? Of these. Uh, well, just uh, we, season well, we know. two. Well, we know. We I'm know. saying it's going to be the next episode, Deer Fox, which uh, is yeah. all about everything about Twig and his backstory and how he comes to be with Hilda and how they stay together. I just, it's just a fantastic episode. It's so good. And I hadn't ever thought of like, why no, Deer Fox is just a thing that exists in this universe. And then they're like, they're not common yeah, it's, it's like how everybody knows about giants and everybody knows about trolls i thought everybody knew about deer foxes and then it comes to be like everybody's like have you seen a deer fox i've never seen a deer fox what do you know about deer fox and like even uh in the um uh one with the one man uh the hey. dragon uh the dragon it uh they say like it's bad luck to have a deer fox but that that's the only time before this episode that they mentioned that deer foxes are kind of a spiritual animal or something like that. Like you, you kind of need to be wary of what they can be or not even what they can be, but um, I don't know. I always kind of suspected twig was some sort of celestial being. Cause he was just entirely too cute to live he, on this plane. He's not he's, in this world. He's too good for this world. Aaron, do you want to, do you want to hurt Ollie? I hey, squeeze me. Did you say squeeze me? Excuse or me. Excuse excuse me. me. Okay. I was like, I mean, I can. I don't know why you want me to. <laughs> Should I go for it? Me scoozy. Me scoozy. Uh, I loved this episode. The visuals were really, really nice in this. I don't think Twig should have returned. How dare you? 
Um, so Liz and I got into a discussion last night. I agree. How dare <laughs> oh, you? Oh, oh, oh. We had this conversation when Soul happened too. We were like, should he have died at the end? Was it, you know, did it take away the the heartfelt cry we had going on? And in the end, you know, I think it's important that he didn't die because he now learned a lesson that life is about living and that's what he's going to go do. So it's okay that it was a Lex Machina-ish to send him back. And I'm glad it ended there. But I think we had the same thing with Twig. Finally gets to be with his family, gets to go home with them. And it's even more than that, like a whole plane of existence made just for deer foxes. And then to like be, but no, we don't want Hilda to be sad and learn that animals pass and move on and we have to accept this part of life and move on just she did accept it at the end and it was tough because it's never easy to say goodbye in these situations but she was learning to accept it and then it was like oh no you don't actually have to accept it it was like it was it was getting wrapped up very nicely um and i felt like they coughed out like they they psych yeah, exactly. It depends on perspective. If we're looking at this as, as Hilda's growth, then no, it doesn't feel very satisfactory. But if we're looking at this at as Twig's growth, as Twig coming to realize that the family you choose is more important, that while he, these are his kind, they really aren't his family anymore, and the understanding of his parents about that... Like it's like it's, the question of the adopted child, whether they want to get to know their birth parents or if they want to stick with the people that actually raised them. And and that's that's a great concept, you know, of like, you know, your chosen family and your uh, your or your found family and your your birth family. But the reason I'm I'm still like I wish he had stayed is because uh, our, our discussion last night, I, I came up with a concept or I realized my concept of a satisfactory ending and a happy ending. They not always are exclusive or inclusive. They can be opposite or the exact same thing. Um, and there, there was a movie that we watched, and I felt like it didn't have a satisfactory ending and didn't really have a satisfactory story for the second half. This one had a great story, and, and it was a really happy ending. But for me, and I don't, I'll, I guess Ollie feels the same way, but like it's not a satisfactory ending. The character growth that we were getting from Hilda and from Twig was immediately shunted and reversed. It's like in the previous episode in the 50-year night. It's I think that's really the first time she had to face the consequences of her reckless actions. And so then we get to the Deer Fox episode, and again, it's like she was going on this, like she was neglecting her friend, and he ended up going back to his family and so that's another opportunity for her to learn and grow and figure out her consequences. And then he just comes right back. She's like, oh, okay, well, everything I was doing is fine. He forgave me, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Exactly. So, like, any growth, because, like, the whole episode starts with him getting forgotten. And it's just like. <sighs> Can relate. Well, even. We don't forget about you. Even that, too, to have Hilda and her mom, like, do have a bit of a heart-to-heart and kind of get past the whole yeah, thing this... only for it to return later in the exact same season that she's still not being honest. It's it's sad. It's it's true when it's real, but it's sad. <laughs> and I, I like that they were introducing this concept because you really you see it more explored in the last episode of the season. The, it, it, I think Joanna has experience with adventuring or doing this kind of stuff, 
but realize she can't do that anymore. So I think that's why she knows about some of the stuff or some of the stuff that Hilda does. And it's just, Hilda is like either choosing to ignore it or not to think about it. Cause you know, she is a kid, so I kind of understand it. But at the same time, th- like the growth that she could have gotten from the 50 year night and from the deer Fox, it, it kind of got reversed a little bit. I see it more at the end of the season than I do at the end of these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can tell me, Aaron, uh, how many more until your favorite episode? It's the second from the last. Okay. Uh, we get to the Yule Lads where Andy Circus shows up as uh, Curtis Snicker, which is fantastic. I love me a good uh, Andy San- Andy Circus uh, performance. He can show up in anything forever. I love him to pieces. And it was funny because I heard his voice and you're like, no, that's not Andy Circus. No, like, that's I, Andy Circus. I know. He's he's very good at his job, is the thing, Aaron. He's very good at being a character and not just being a voice that I recognize every single time. It, and it had a little bit of a Gollum quality. It wasn't full Gollum, but it had a little bit of that quality. And I love that they just work in shifts and he never gets his time off because it's uneven. Because <laughs> he's the uh, the original one, too. Uh, very cool Krampus. Like, yes. Very intense Krampus. I love at the end, she just drinks her soup and is happy just in her little cave (laughs) with all of her furs uh the jorts incident just the nicest guy to just get punted up through the system you know what you've got a face for commercials what Uh, thank you okay sign here okay you say so (laughs) it kind of reminded me a little bit of the um hey arnold episode where the uh mr Wynn. Like they figure out that he is like the voice of Randy, oh, the country singer who actually guest stars in that appearance or in that episode. He's just like, I'm a simple fry cook. I'd like to be a fry cook. I don't want this anymore. Like, that's like the one of the last lines in the whole episode. And then he sings beautifully. And like, <laughs> it's just reminding me a lot of that. The guy's just like, he's just a simple delivery driver. And that's all he wants to do. He's fine with this. He's yeah. a nice man. He doesn't need any more than this. Doesn't have to be CEO of a company. Uh, and I do love them witching around the place uh, tr- and uh, getting a little crush on the librarian. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little he's, dipper into the windy there. I know, I know. It happens all the time. Um, the Replacement. This one is probably my favorite one. I did really like the last episode, but this one, because of the the absurdity of it, but it's a good story from start to finish, so... Um, I really like Alfred, you know, him, he accepted that he wasn't going to be leaving or that he had to leave. And he was not really even opposed to it. Uh, well, like he went with a plan and then he's like, no, no, I have to go. I have to accept my responsibilities. And Another pull the switch out from underneath us. Like, oh, what's this growth, personal development? People have to leave. Nope. You get to keep everyone. All your friends will never leave. You stuck forever. And see, it wasn't just like w- with the whole problem with the deer fox is that twig it showed twig getting um okay my mother called me for like two seconds and then hung up she does that a lot <laughs> yeah she does <laughs> it doesn't help that my eight and my name starts with two a's so i'm usually like that first call so um twig uh like made they show that he was getting not necessarily abused but forgotten um you know like with pets and stuff like that and you you shouldn't do it but it happens um and and like Twig wasn't being appreciated, Alfred was still being appreciated, and um, they didn't want him to go. Like they didn't want you know Twig to go, but 
Alfred made the choice and was going to leave. Like it was happening. And then they're like, no, we don't want to be around this craziness and you seem to enjoy it. So you stay. I can't take one more second of this. I must away. And you know, I it is a bit Sinbad-y, so I will give it that, because I really do enjoy Sinbad for the fact that he does accept what's going to happen, and then because he accepts it, he is allowed to get the thing he did want in the end. Uh, yeah, I didn't get that the first time I watched Sinbad, but once we, uh, once I watched it a few more times, and he was a little bit older. So you're saying he got the goblin dog in the end? Sure. Um, have you guys not seen Star versus the Forces of Evil? We have, but only the first season. Like, maybe a little bit of the second season? You don't go and purchase the Goblin Dog. The Goblin Dog chooses you. <laughs> and that is all I'm going to say. Okay. Fair enough. Anywho. <laughs> um, I had a problem with Star versus or the Forces of Evil because it's a really, it's still a really good show, but like around episode six or seven, uh, the boy crazy one specifically in the first season, uh, it goes from like crisp, clean, awesome animation to like almost flash animation. Like it takes a, it I changed think it, yeah. dramatically at it, that point. It, it like, it, I know I it can't gets blame better. Them. If, if they get pulled on funding, I can't blame them for when that happens to a show. It's not the animator's fault. <laughs> yeah, but like the the animation was similar to the opening, and it, it got degraded quite a bit. So, anyways, um, not. Not dissing on the whole show because I know it's better than that, but where were we? Push through. Push through. Uh, we are to the final episode of season two. Okay, so let's just kind of briefly talk about it because we still have like theories that we have to get to too. Yeah. Okay. So the Stone Forest is based on a Hilda graphic novel, ironically the one that I have in my own home, and I did not read it until I watched the season because I didn't want to get spoiled on anything. Uh, turns out that was a very good idea because it pretty much takes exactly from the book and transplants it into the show. That uh, we've already been spoilery. Spoil. This is the very spoil. Is... Like there's there was no cliffhanger last season. This is a cliffhanger. Yeah. So good to know going forward. Um, Hilda again disobeys her mom and tries to get. Um, oh, sorry, Tantu to take her into uh, the nowhere space to get back to Frida. And her mom busts in and is like, what are you doing? And they're both pulling her back and forth. And they end up in the space between the space between spaces. Which, as they go through, it's just really oppressive. Like, great job on the animation. Super oppressive, this place. This dark stone forest. And they don't know where they are. And they're walking forever. It's very demoralizing. There's no sunlight. Until they finally get someone. turns out, oh, they're inside the mountain. And there are tons of trolls here all over the place and it's it's very terrifying it doesn't let up once they are constantly on the run being hunted she's uh her mom stands up for her against another troll at one point the troll oh. rolls right in her face she doesn't even blink joanna oh what a that great mom moment badass and uh eventually that turns around to help them um because they get cornered by another giant this two-headed one this really mean one that's a bully to all the other ones and steals all this food very dragony and this other uh the troll that joanna set up to ends up rescuing them and taking them back to their den where their baby is and they just have like a nice night like bonding as parent and child and it's it's very wholesome and it was then they were like oh wait maybe 
aren't all trolls aren't just evil mindless things and maybe it's just like human making beings magic and... fire and everything i know that magic fire just showing up out of nowhere like oh you can do magic well okay cool <laughs> uh and then um hilda's friends uh also run into some trolls out in the wild and they also have like a little campfire hangout too uh uh, so Albard just gets turned into a bug, which is great. I wish he'd stay that way. And I get the feeling that that's, there's a reason why he doesn't because of how the episode ends. Uh, but after all of this, all of this stuff, they finally get back home. And it's great to be home. And they all go to sleep. And they wake up the next morning. And there, uh, her uh, Hilda is not in her bed anymore. It is this troll kid in human skin. And then Hilda wakes up inside the mountain covered in in troll skin and that's the end see you in season three like what what <laughs> what <laughs> what and i'm 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 baffled because i want to know why they did this i really want to know because we get the sense that this troll parent wants to do anything for their troll child wants to keep them safe wants to keep them just and so I'm wondering, like, what is this? Do they want their child to have a sense of the outside world, and that's why they did this magic switcheroo? Is it for them to show Hilda is it the something? Trolls, is it the trolls' versions of Rumspringa? Yeah. Is is this a changeling thing where the Fae folk come out, steal your baby, and leave another one in its place? Like, is this changelings? A, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hilda, you wanted to explore outside the wall. This is where you live now. Good job. You now get to do as much of that as you want. Welcome to the consequences of your own actions. I mean, it's got to uh, be that, but I just wish it had happened before she apologized and tried to make everything better. But again, I guess you still have to suffer the consequences, even when you apologize. So fair enough, I'll say. Um, yeah, it follows the book really closely, like lines of dialogue, panels, straight up. Um, and it looks like the whole thing is just going to be the next time. Like, she, she is a, a troll now, which means that she is going to be under attack from Alberg, and no one's going to stop him. So. I just figured something out, which I'll say at the end. Oh, okay. Um, well, why don't you tell us your fan theory, Aaron? Because now that we're here, we're in uncharted territory. They're I am certain that they're going to take a lot of season three from the book that follows the Stone Forest because it has direct consequence on proceeding actions. Yeah, I think... Um, so with the last episode, uh, my fan theory is going to be very simple. I think that the troll is either trying to protect its child from the impending, you know, war that Alberg uh, is trying to do, or it's trying to communicate with the humans, and it switches Hilda and its own child, not only to protect its own child, but also to communicate with Hilda. I think that either she's going to understand the trolls, or the trolls are going to speak English for us viewers, um, and she's going to be able to, like, communicate with them in her troll form. So... I'm wondering if that's why they did that. So they could like talk like, listen, we don't want to be in the hills. We don't want to like run around and beat things up and stuff like that. We just, we want to live peacefully kind of thing. So I'm wondering if that's why they did it. But my true fan theory, which was mentioned just a little bit ago. Um, one thing that they've never mentioned is her father. And it's not important to the story. It's, it's not like I'm searching for my father. You know, it's not one of those stories. But her father has never been mentioned. Um, and I don't know why. And I'm not, it's like, it's not eating at me. But it's something that, like, the more we find out about Joanna, I the more I want to know. And the, it, it's tough for me because 
Joanna is actually a very interesting character, not only because she's a graphic designer, but also that she she seems to know about the the wilderness. She knows about like the elves and stuff like that. Like she knows almost as much as Hilda in these senses, but I think she knows more. Like she's that that retired adventurer, adventurer she essentially. Took an arrow in the knee. And... So I think that there there's a character who reminds me of Joanna in that sense a little bit. And maybe why they move back to the city beyond trying to keep Hilda safe, um, because there's a gentleman who is the tr- uh, the troll bell ringer or whatever the keeper, and he has a little bit of blue in his hair, just a little two little streaks at the temples. Now I think that what they're trying to show is that it's a gray instead of a blue, but it's just there's too too much behind it. So and. I in like the way he acts is it reminds me a little bit of Hilda too. So I um I'm wondering if they are going to as eventually kind of play into that a little bit. That's not what the story is about. That's not what Hilda is about. That is not what needs to happen, but I just I'm just that's I always look for that mystery and that's definitely one of the mysteries. The, the little side mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that'd be pretty cool. Like I like it just for the fact that they've introduced him and he seems to be an adult that's on the up and up and like understands things in the way that Hilda does and not just another one of those go play kids. You've had your fun yeah. sort of person. <laughs> um, Ollie, do you have any fan theories about season three or anything like that? Mm, I mean, I did have the ones that you've just said how Hilda's going to turn. She's basically going to end up being the bridge between the species bridge between the species um, kind of, be the broker of peace to say, hey, this is what the trolls want. And since she already knows how to communicate with the humans, seeing as she was human, like it'll be a lot easier to um, sort of make all that happen. And I hope she will use her new troll powers to squash um, Ulrich like a bug, like the bug he is. Or even like take down the two headed troll or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with the two-headed troll just because he, I mean, he's a dick to all the other trolls, but he's not, like, I don't see him as, like, a big bad in any way. You oh, don't no. think he's mobilizing others in well, any no, way? No, because all the other trolls, like, hate, like, he's basically, he's being a dick to all the other trolls, but all the trolls hate him. It's not, they're, he's not trying to get them to rally around them. He, I feel like he's, he was just for the last episode. He was just there to stir up trouble. Um... Because we've seen basically. him in the past, because I think he, the 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 camera watch troll, um, the troll that has like a a watch as a camera, with or camera George's, as a with watch, George's bag hat. Yes. Yeah. I think he is uh, like at one point he was walking with them when they were doing like some sort of battle, but I think they're more like not warmies, but like henchmen, like or the they they're doing it because they have to kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to rally them or anything like that, but I think he is, I, I think that's also part of the reason why the trolls are starting to go down the mountain more because they're trying to get away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or so it. like how to train your dragon, how there's dragon Island and it's the, the mountain where all the dragons live inside, but they have to bring back tribute to the, the alpha dragon that's there. Um, the reason that they encroach upon um, Burke is because they're trying to escape that alpha dragon. Of course, whenever they go back, 
find the alpha dragon, loses his leg, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, let's just hope everybody keeps their limbs this time. Mm. <laughs> well, and I don't know how the two-headed troll is going to end up, too, because at the end of the episode... Hope he doesn't he was... lose his head. <laughs> uh, well, he's right, got he's a spare. Got a spare. Um, oh. Take it. We, uh, too long. All right, too Liz, long. what is your fan theory? Mm. Personally, I'm just trying to think of a way to, like... <laughs> this, this is my way. I, I Characters need to do things for a reason. So for me, I'm trying to think of a way to absolve this troll... Because if it's trying to keep its kids safe, it's got to know that that's, they're going to figure it out immediately. Like, Joanna's going to know immediately. Like, the fact that they bonded at all is just, it's hard to, like, say, like, I know what it's like to do that to my child. I can't imagine doing it to yours. So I'm trying to figure out a way to justify it. So my theory is just hopefully they come up with a, a good, compelling reason. Or you've got to, like, push the trolls as seriously as Faye as other, where they don't have the same moral code as we do. I don't think the show's going to go that way because it's been showing them to be like, you know, hanging around the campfire, hanging with their kids, just enjoying life normally like we would. I mean, it did sort of highlight, especially when they were uh, like around the fire and keeping um, the troll noticing how well Joanna treated Hilda while they were there. Yeah. And so the, um, the theory that Aaron's got about wanting to have her troll baby be out of danger um, I think is a valid one. She sends that, like, the reason that she switches Hilda and her child um, is because she knows that regardless of the fact that it's, like, it's not Joanna's child, she'll still take care of it like a good mother. Yeah, I suppose so. But just to see Joanna take such good care of Hilda and to knowingly bring that daughter into her world, into the troll world, it just, I don't know. Where she knows she can handle herself because they came here adventuring together. I think oh, we've maybe seen her that, kid can't. Oh, now that's her, clever. Her, her kid just can't hack it. Just can't hack it as a troll. <laughs> I do think I. I think we've seen this troll in the 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 baby before. I think mm -hmm. we've seen this particular. It was the one outside the wall. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the one that she. Is it not the one that she saved that was inside the school? I think so. I think that there that connection is there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't think the storytellers for that episode would have set it up that much just to uh, pull the rug out that much. I do think that they're not necessarily going to absolve her, but there is going to be a very specific reason. I, I don't believe with the way that it was protecting the child, I don't think that they're going to have it as like a fey loose moral compass thing. I think it's going to be more of there's a very specific reason why it switched and why it brought Hilda specifically too. So instead of it just switching with another person, mm -hmm. um, I also think maybe the liquid had something to do with it, but we'll see. Um, the, I'm very interested to see what they do with this, but also I want to see Albert get just fucked up, but <laughs> I really want to see him get his just rewards because it's he's going unpunished for too long so far. Like I thought at the end of the episode, he was going to be like, Oh God, I don't want to be safety captain anymore. And then leave. Thought so too. I thought that's how it was going to go, but he's still the been, same. I feel like that would have been too easy though. It might've been. Yeah. I think he needs, he needs his comeuppance. He needs and to be an actual like mortal danger, not just you a, know, bug. Being a, a bug. A bug. Yeah. The cutest thing about him was when he, he was a bug. So adorable little bug bug. And, uh, to future Liz and Aaron who are re-listening to this episode to see if our fan theories were correct. Um, you know, how you doing? How you doing? How you... So, uh, final thoughts. Ollie? Ah! 
is basically how I ended the second season and how I'll be going into the third season. Um, I, I just really have no idea what to think of because that plot twist, twist in the last 10 seconds, it kind of treated me like, I don't know if you guys ever watched The Magicians. Mm-mm. Like the last 30 seconds of the first season of Magicians, just hardcore, like, balls to the wall, fucks with you, everything you thought was wrong, nothing is going to be the same, like, this is basically starting, and, like, the next season is going to be, like, an entirely new show, and I, I'm super excited to see how they're going to basically bring it all back around. So kind of, uh, kind of reminiscent of Weird Al. Everything you know is wrong. No? Okay. Um, we, we can't all be weird out aficionados. No, love. just me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with the, the third season. So, Liz, final thoughts? Uh, personally, I think it's only gotten better. It's gotten more real and more fantastical. Uh, I definitely need the Great Raven to come back because he was my favorite oh, from season one. Yeah. And I miss him. The, was the, the crow was a fun character, too. The, the, like, I don't know if it was the Great Raven as a crow or something. Yeah, so bird. he lost his memory. And so he was just this little normal raven until he remembered at the bird parade. And then he became the Great Raven. Yeah, I like I liked that character, too. So. Yeah, that was fun. And my final thoughts. It's a great series. You need to watch it. It's so incredibly wholesome. Very much for ages maybe like five and up. So, um, thank you again, Ollie, for joining us tonight. We no appreciate problem. it. Uh, we hope to have you on again soon. And uh, <laughs> she just hated this whole process. Was, she's like, she's like, she's in her chair with her arms crossed, like hanging this. out, making fajitas, drinking wine, talking about shows. It's the worst. It's the, just worst. the worst. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Have you heard my voice? <laughs> I yes, have. we're we're listening to it right now. Have you seen me hear my own voice? <laughs> How has that been? Has that been a good auditory experience for you? Zero out of ten. <laughs> Zero. Zero out of Would ten. Not Would recommend. not recommend. Uh, so, Liz, what was our uh, sponsor? I forgot the name. The <laughs> uh, the book we recommend for audibletrial.com slash marriage. The idea is The Deep by Rivers Solomon. Uh, we highly recommend it. And if you are a Knoxville local, uh, go check out Knox Box Karaoke. And that'll do us for here at Married to the po- uh, <laughs> Married to the Podcast. Wow, you know we've Aaron, done over a hundred of these. You would think Aaron, I would know this by now. It's called Marriage to the Cod Past. I just I wish you'd get it right just once. <laughs> uh, that will do us do it for us here at Married to the Idea. We thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check out our social medias and uh, the sponsors. And I hope you have a good, had a good Valentine's Day, a good Mardi Gras, a good Ash Wednesday, and any that come between now and the when we release this. So until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and I'm Ollie. <laughs> and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.